This podcast uses adult language. Listener discretion is advised. This is Kevin. This is Elizabeth. And this is the Less Than 83 podcast. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing well. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about the relationship style of relationship anarchy. Mm -hmm. It's something that uh, apparently you had never read the manifesto before, but we're aware of the concept. Is that right? Uh, Now that I look at it again, I think I did read it years ago, but I certainly didn't have it memorized or anything. And I would say that I still find a lot of it to be to really resonate with me for sure. Yeah, I was surprised because based on the way in which people who self-described as relationship anarchists that I knew had such a different way of handling their relationships, I thought that relationship anarchy might not be something that I would ever be able to enact in my own relationships. But when I read it, I was like, oh, that's practically what I do now. Right, right. Same. (laughs) Yeah, I think it it seems like it's more nebulous than it is, but I think that's the point, as we'll get into, is like, it's a choose-your-own-adventure, right? Yep. The individual who started this, among with a few other people in Sweden, in some message boards, started talking about this idea of relationship anarchy, and their name is Andy Nordgren. We're going to read off of their manifesto first to kind of give you an idea of what it entails. And then we're going to circle back and give you our thoughts. Uh, Why don't I just go ahead and read rundown of the points? So it says, love is abundant and every relationship is unique. Love and respect instead of entitlement. Find your core set of relationship values. Heterosexism is rampant and out there, but don't let fear lead you. Build for the lovely unexpected. Fake it till you make it. Trust is better. Change through communication and customize your commitments. So love is abundant and every relationship is unique. Relationship anarchy questions the idea that love is a limited resource that can only be real if restricted to a couple. You have capacity to love more than one person and one relationship and the love felt for that person does not diminish love felt for another. Don't rank and compare people and relationships. Cherish the individual and your connection to them. One person in your life does not need to be named primary for the relationship to be real. And each relationship is independent and a relationship between autonomous individuals. Love and respect instead of entitlement. Deciding not to base a relationship on a foundation of entitlement is about respecting others' independence and self-determination. Your feelings for a person or your history together does not make you entitled to command and control a partner to comply with what is considered normal to do in a relationship. Explore how you can engage without stepping over boundaries and personal belief. Rather than looking for compromises in every situation, let loved ones choose paths that keep their integrity intact without letting this mean a crisis for the relationship. Staying away from entitlement and demands is the only way to be sure that you are in a relationship that is truly mutual. Love is not more real when people compromise for each other because it's part of what's expected. Find your core set of relationship values. How do you wish to be treated by others? What are your basic boundaries and expectations on all relationships? 
What kind of people would you like to spend your life with? And how would you like that relationship to work? Find your core set of values and use it for all relationships. Don't make special rules and exceptions as a way to show people you love them for real. Heterosexism is rampant and out there, but don't let fear lead you. Remember that there is a very powerful normative system in play that dictates what real love is and how people should live. Many will question you and the validity of your relationships when you don't follow these norms. Work with the people you love to find escapes and tricks to counter the worst of the problematic norms. Find positive counterspells and don't let fear drive your relationships. Build for the lovely unexpected. Being free to be spontaneous, to express oneself without fear of punishment or a sense of burdened shoulds, is what gives life to relationships based on relationship anarchy. Organize based on a wish to meet and explore each other, not on duties and demands and disappointments when they are not met. Fake it till you make it. Sometimes it can feel like you need to be some complete superhuman to handle all the norm-breaking involved in choosing relationships that don't map to the norm. A great trick is the fake it till you make it strategy. When you are feeling strong and inspired, think about how you would like to see yourself act. Transform that into some simple guidelines and stick to them when things are rough. Talk to and seek support from others who challenge norms and never reproach yourself when the norm pressure gets into the behavior you didn't wish for. Trust is better. Choosing to assume that your partner does not wish you harm leads you down a much more positive path than a distrustful approach where you need to be constantly validated by the other person to trust that they are there with you in the relationship. Sometimes people have so much going on inside themselves that there's just no energy left to reach out and care for others. Create the kind of relationship where withdrawing is both supported and quickly forgiven and give people lots of chances to talk, explain, and see you be responsible for the relationship. Remember your core values and take care of yourself, though. Change through communication. For most human activities, there is some form of norm in place for how it's supposed to work. If you want to deviate from this pattern, you need to communicate. Otherwise, things tend to end up just following the norm, as others behave according to it. Communication and joint actions for change is the only way to break away. Radical relationships must have conversation and communication at heart not as a state of emergency, only brought out to solve problems. Communicate in a context of trust. We are so used to people never really saying what they think and feel that we have to read between the lines and extrapolate to find out what they really mean. But such interpretations can only build on previous experiences, usually based on the norms you want to escape. Ask each other about stuff and be explicit. Customize your commitments. Life would not have much structure or meaning without joining together with other people to achieve things. Constructing a life together, raising children, owning a house, or growing together through thick and thin. Such endeavors usually need lots of trust and commitment between people to work. Relationship anarchy is not about never committing to anything. It's about designing your own commitments with the people around you and freeing them from the norms, dictating that certain types of commitments are a requirement for the love to be real. 
or that some commitments like raising children or moving in together have to be driven by a certain kind of feeling. Start from scratch and be explicit about what kind of commitments you want to make with other people. So those are the points as outlined. Uh, we'll link it if you want to read through that on your own in our description. But so what are your main takeaways? What are things that you want to respond to about this, Elizabeth? When I first read through it, I really felt like all of it rang true in my life, except for maybe fake it till you make it. Although I do employ that for sure. And I think there's a certain level of like manifestation magic in that, whatever that means to individuals. But fake it till you make it can work, but not I would I would just maybe throw in the caution of don't try to force yourself to appear happy with a dynamic if it's not suited to you. And I'm sure that they they took that into account as well. So don't fake that you're you're content in a dynamic that isn't going well for you without mm -hmm. trying to change. But I, I love all of it, really. I like that it addresses heterosexism and heteronormativity. I think that queer relationships inherently go against the heteronormative uh, dynamic in society. So, you know, queer people are already pretty used to like, okay, who who does what? How does this relationship work? Because we don't have normative gender roles to fall back on. So I like that they included that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say something similar in that it almost feels like they're not even talking about heterosexism or heteronormativism as we talk about it today. And that's almost uh, just as applicable to what I would call default culture of mm -hmm. the default that we all kind of live under. Even people like me who are heterosexual and polyamorous, you know, we're definitely not fitting the mold for what, right. you know, what, what, what is considered normal or in these Very types true. of relationships. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> so I really love the change through communication. I was going to say that. <laughs> we're we're going to probably in the next episode or two be talking about nonviolent communication, which has been a really big, important thing in my life. And going and listening to the audiobook uh, from Mark Rosenberg, or sorry, Marshall Rosenberg, has been really eye-opening and has really made me feel very validated in the way in which I've been unconsciously living my life in a similar manner to which he lives his life. And a lot of that is focused around uh, empathic communication and expressing your needs and finding the needs of others. That's awesome. Is, is there anything that you feel like outside of the fake it till you make it that maybe you would want to tweak or change or push against? Uh... I don't think so. I really like it. I've always felt sort of drawn toward what I've perceived as the idea of relationship anarchy from my RA friends who talk about it. And, you know, just the concept, I, I feel like it's almost like <laughs> some people might consider it like a, the purest form of ethical non-monogamy mm -hmm. um, because it breaks down any perceived structure. There's no room for unicorn hunting. There's no room for any kind of potentially hurtful hierarchies or, you know, it's, it's as I under, as I'm understanding each relationship is unique, which is what I always say. And that means that each relationship deserves individual attention towards how it's built, how it's maintained, how it changes and how compatible those people are. So I don't know, other than fake it till you make it with that minor addition, I would add, 
I wouldn't change it probably. Mm -hmm. I like it. So I think my overall idea of relationship anarchy is oftentimes wrong because even after learning and relearning and experiencing it in the people in my life that follow relationship anarchy as their preferred relationship style, I always feel like there's this idea of less commitment and it's much more about customized commitment. And I always, that, that is how I run my relationships, you know, intentionally or not. It's always about making sure people are on board with what I'm trying to do with them. And sometimes what I'm trying to do to them, but, right. <laughs> but like the, the consent and the understanding and the being overt about those things are part of what I live in my life is like radical honesty of just being as honest as I can be without being a dick. Yeah. You can be honest and be compassionate at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the ways that polyamory tries to push back against the mononormative narrative that says that we can't possibly be committed in our relationships if we have more than one is that we do. You know, we are. Like, I've had, you know, two different relationships that were each 11 years long and they ran concurrently. That's a pretty long commitment, I feel. And to me, that the relationship anarchy idea of customization makes plenty of sense because we. We can be as committed as we want to our partners as long as we're on the same page with them about what kind of commitment we want. And not everybody wants to live together 24-7 or have kids together or follow any of that relationship escalator. So as soon as you jump off the relationship escalator, you really can choose your own adventure in that regard, I feel, and you know, customize your commitments, which is the last, the final point of the manifesto, and I really like it. So uh, maybe to give context to people who aren't familiar with the term relationship yeah. escalator. So relationship escalator would be the progression that we normally see in TV movies and maybe, you know, other relationships of courting, dating, moving in together, getting married, having a kid, that whole like, oh, there's this specific arc that a relationship should or often takes. And a lot of polyamorous people buck that convention, or at least make sure that the people they're having it with are understanding that that's the goal or that's what they're both mutually aiming towards. Exactly. The mononormative culture, de default culture, as you say, mm -hmm. uh, definitely like looks down on people who are like, I don't know, if you dated someone for 15 years and your parents might eventually be like, why are you not married? You know, mm -hmm. because people expect that relationship escalator. It's in all the rom-coms, you know, it's in every dang mononormative relationship on TV, like you said. So yeah, I think poly people inherently tend to buck that because even if we do want to follow some of those steps, it might not be all those steps and it might not all be with the same person. So it is a choose your own adventure. And I do like that. So Elizabeth, what is... What are some of the main takeaways from you or what, what's something that you want listeners to be left with about relationship anarchy? I would recommend people look into it, at least read the manifesto. It won't take much time. And I think that a lot of these points can be beneficial even in monogamous relationships, you know? Oh, like, definitely. Obviously, like love and respect instead of entitlement. Find your core set of relationship values. There's like most of these uh, really can apply to any, re any relationship type. And I think they're all healthy ways to really be conscientious and mindful, thoughtful about how you build and maintain and change your relationships. So I think it's a great manifesto. I wouldn't let people get scared off by the word anarchy. Some people don't love that, but I think it really 
suits it because anarchy in this sense is definitely about like breaking down the system that we perceive and and building it from the ground up the way we want. Yeah, and it's not even fully exclusive to your romantic relationships. Oh, no. This is a, a rubric for all relationships. And I, I think it's just more pronounced in default culture to have monogamy as the cornerstone. And so therefore, this was like, it seems very pointedly aimed at changing people's minds, changing people's opinions about what can be a real relationship and to have somebody expressly state it can be a valid and real relationship with real love involved without you having to prove it in one specific way. The way in which you can show love and feel loved are as varied as there are number of people on the planet. Right. And I, I think that's one of the best things about love and romance and relationships, like all of our relationships, not even just our romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this applies to friendships too, because why wouldn't you want to have a core set of values in your friendships as well? You know, like if you don't see eye to eye on things for morality reasons or something, that's probably a deal breaker, even in a friendship. And I think relationship anarchy probably challenges the idea that romance is above platonic friendships because it's not inherently, in my opinion, at least, maybe that's kind of a a relationship (laughs) anarchy way to think about it. But I've always valued my friendships really highly. And just because I'm not you know, you know, dating them or, you know, having a physical relationship with them doesn't mean that they're like lesser necessarily, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. I wanted to take a brief moment to remind people that we have a YouTube channel. I, it just has a version of the audio podcast. If you're sent to our podcast through our website, we're also available on every podcasting platform, Spotify, you know, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we're we're there. So feel free to subscribe to us there and uh, look forward to talking with you next week, Elizabeth. This is the second segment of the Lesson 83 podcast. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hello. So we found a question that you and I really wanted to try to tackle or at least respond to a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to summarize what this person had uh, written out. Uh, For years, I always thought there was something wrong with me. Even if I was happy in a relationship, I would still find myself wanting emotional connections with others. And occasionally people would come into my life that I would just spark with. I would always still love my significant other, but then I'd question my intentions and decide that obviously I must not love them anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was also very religious. Mm -hmm. I got divorced recently and really started to figure myself out. I do have a child from my previous marriage. I started seeing my uh, new fiance and he and I both say that we are pretty much monogamous because I really thought I was. My fiancé is the best partner. We rarely fight and he meets most of my needs. Life is good. And then we get engaged, move in together and start to blend our life. And now I start having those urges again. And uh, that's when I'm starting to realize that maybe I'm not monogamous. I plan to divulge this information to my significant other, but I'm not sure with what expectations, if any. 
I know he isn't open to an open relationship because his ex screwed him over when she suggested it and went about it all the wrong way. So I feel like I shouldn't have to bear the brunt of her errors. Mm. How would you guys suggest I bring this up to him? I want to get all of my emotions out there firmly, but respectfully and take it from there. So some of my initial thoughts are definitely this person should address this before she marries her new fiance because that's kind of a big commitment and not knowing whether you are going to be monogamous or polyamorous for the rest of your relationship is a big deal. So I would say communication. What a big surprise. (laughs) But also I would say that these urges to like have emotional connections with other people could just be a desire for friendship Mm -hmm. potentially. Like it's very possible that she's actually monogamous and going to be perfectly happy in a monogamous relationship, but just desires friendships. And sometimes when we have friendships with like the opposite sex, it can be confusing if we're from a heteronormative culture, which most of us all are, especially if we're straight or straight leaning. So it can feel like infidelity in a way to have an emotional connection with someone of the opposite sex or of a sex that we're attracted to. Let's just put it that Mm -hmm. way. So maybe people get confused a little bit. Like there's even a lot of questions about like, can men and women even be friends, you know, with you and I are definitely not friends. No, never. (laughs) Yeah. So it could just be that she just wants to have deep multiple friendships and there's obviously nothing wrong with that. But it can be tricky to figure that out because there is obviously overlap between friendships and and romantic relationships. We do a lot of the same things together. At least I do. Hang out with my friends, talk to my friends, spend time with my friends. I do all that with my partners too, even snuggle or whatever. It depends. And the thing I like about polyamory is that it's a choose your own adventure and you get to build those relationships individually depending on your overlapping desires for that relationship. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be sexual, non-sexual, whatever, shared hobbies and whatnot. But yeah, those are some of my initial thoughts. I want to hear yours too, obviously. So the setup for this is is very similar to how I figured out I was polyamorous, mm-hmm. was I would be in relationships with people and I'd realize I would catch feelings for somebody else. So obviously I didn't actually love my partner. Right. Obviously I need to do something else or, or seek out this other person instead. When the truth is that even monogamous people will have these desires to have multiple relationships. The difference between monogamy and polyamory isn't as much about those feelings or desires. It's much more about what you're okay with and what you want. Are you okay with your partner seeing other people? Are you okay having multiple partners? Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you're just having some feelings for somebody else doesn't delegitimize your relationship or your feelings for other people. Right. Other thoughts I have is that a year into a relationship probably isn't a good time to be moving in and getting engaged. It's good that they really want to have this discussion before they tie the knot. I see that mistake made too often. This is definitely something you should, even if you aren't polyamorous, have an overt discussion with your partner. Hey, do you ever think see yourself as wanting non-monogamy in the future can be enlightening to open that door 
It very much can be. It, you know, maybe you're emotionally monogamous, but you both want to have threesomes on and off for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. That's fine. But if you don't know that about each other or if you keep it a secret or hide it or suppress it or feel guilty or something, you know, that can be a problem. I would also say that um, every relationship is different. And, you know, I wouldn't want to feel like I'm rushing into a commitment of course, but I can't say that other people's relationships are going to not work out or not be healthy just because they may make that decision a year into their relationship. But I feel like that's not really polyamory that, That's just a general so rule of thumb like, for me. I don't think it's it's something that you have to abide by, but a good recommendation. Sure. Yeah. Also, something you mentioned earlier about like catching feelings and feeling like clearly, you know, this is not ideal for for your relationship maybe if you're in a monogamous situation i would point out that like just because it's like when people people assume that bisexuals are cheaters right like that's sort of a an ongoing trope about bisexuality i'm bi pansexual so i feel like from from my perspective I've heard a lot that like oh you can't possibly be monogamous because you're bi and that makes no sense because it's not like monogamous people who are straight for example stop all attraction to the entire other gender just because they get into a monogamous or committed mm-hmm. relationship in some way. You know, even monogamous heterosexual people can have attraction to uh, other folks regardless of their relationship structure because that doesn't stop. Like, there's no reason that it would. And so, yeah, you're right. Having that thought or potential desire to connect with other people doesn't necessarily make you polyamorous because it's about what you're willing to do regarding like your relationship structure, not so much your fantasies or desires. So yeah, I would say that this could kind of go either way. I feel like like it's possible that she's just feeling friendship emotions that she wants to pursue and doesn't and feels guilty for some reason. Maybe she's straight and she's falling into friendship feelings with male friends and she's confusing that with a romantic relationship or it's possible that she is polyamorous like you said this is kind of how you got started into polyamory or even just monogamous with desires to have other relationships that's not an uncommon feeling to have sure right well how would you say that monogamous people generally would deal with that healthily you know having that desire for potentially other relationships as well, but not wanting to pursue them necessarily? Depending on the nature of your relationship with your partner, to either have a discussion about it just to help relieve that pressure valve, talk about it with your friends or a therapist, just to process those feelings, identify what they are and what they mean to you before you act on them. Definitely don't cheat. Oh, yeah. Definitely don't no. spring on your partner that suddenly you have a new new boyfriend there you're going to introduce them to both of those not good don't do those no not good and cheating as we define it is breaking the agreed upon boundaries Mm -hmm. of your relationship period and that applies to monogamy polyamory everything like it's you know for some people an orgy is not cheating and for some people watching porn is cheating so it just depends on your agreements with your partner but if you don't have those discussions how will you know So again, communication. Yeah. And one of the things that she had said that both you and I kind of disagreed with each other a little bit about was that I know he isn't uh, open to an open relationship because his ex screwed him over with how they went about their monogamy in the past. Unless you've overtly Mm -hmm. talked about it, then 
maybe what you're assuming is not correct. Whereas you were saying... You're assuming it's an assumption, though. <laughs> and I said that, you know, she says, I know. And she has details about, you know, how her partner's ex screwed him over. It sounds like maybe she took the open relationship in a in a non-consensual direction or something. And because she has those details, it seems to me like they've already had that discussion. And because she says, I know he's not open to open relationships. It makes me seem, it makes me feel like maybe she does know. My read on it, and maybe this is just based on my experiences, that most, like at most, a quarter of the people that say, I know X about my partner have had an overt conversation. Mm -hmm. Three quarters of the time, it is much yeah. more, I know because I've made this assumption based on something else they've told me. And that's not yeah. a reliable gauge for whether somebody actually feels or thinks a certain way. It's something that we put ourselves into other people. And we have to do this all the time to yeah. understand what other people are doing based on inference, because we can't talk out every single detail. And that's not the way our brains work. Uh, but we have to kind of step outside of that framework a lot of times within romantic relationships because we are more intimately connected at times share more space we share living environments um and the, the same thing we go towards like family members or other people that you live with and spend a significant amount of time with it's very easy to assume we know what they mean or what they're trying to communicate or what they would think about a certain thing but more more often than not it can be incorrect. Um, I know people, several people who have very healthy non-monogamous relationships now because one of them had the balls to bring it up. And the other one was like, oh, my God, right. I've wanted to talk to you about this forever. I'm really glad that you're interested in right. this because I didn't want to bring it up. Right. You can't have these important discussions if you don't have these important discussions. you got to communicate. So it's the number one rule of polyamory for me. And something we definitely harp on. And people do make a lot of assumptions. You're definitely right about that, especially in a culture that assumes that we are all in straight, monogamous, permanent relationships. And that's certainly not the case for everybody. So I feel like polyamory inherently breaks down those norms. And we, we talked about the relationship anarchy manifesto recently, and it explicitly talks about like basically queering the idea that heteronormativity is the required default you know whether or not you are it's it's the prevailing uh cultural norm right yeah so kind of like stepping outside of those assumptions and you're right we like i mean i've definitely said things like um i'm sure so and so meant blah 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 when i'm not sure i am making an assumption so you're right on that <laughs> i will give you that <laughs> now the crux of the issue is how would we recommend they approach this with their partner I think the the best way is to unpack what what happened with their last relationship, clarify exactly how they feel about ethical non-monogamy, express my mm -hmm. own wants or desires if I were in their shoes, and sit mm -hmm. back and listen to my partner. Yeah, I would go into it for sure addressing the 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 problematic relationship from the past. I would probably Sit down sober. Yes. And be like, hello, beloved. Um, <laughs> Everything got real intimate all of a sudden. Yeah. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, say something along the lines of, 
I recognize that you were hurt by your ex because she did X, Y, Z when you attempted an open relationship, but that is not what I want to do. I want to do it ethically, healthily. Well, they don't, yeah, they don't even know they want to be non-monogamous because they've never done it. Right. But I think putting his fears to rest Mm -hmm. is an important part of it, you know? So whether or not she knows if she wants to pursue polyamory, I think addressing the pain that he's experienced in the past that he relates to it is important. I mean, I even took a break briefly from polyamory after a a toxic poly situation because I had such a bad taste in my mouth about it. And it had been my main poly experience up to that point. So Mm -hmm. this was many years ago, over a decade ago. But, you know, I was, I asked my partner at the time, I was like, you know, when I think about polyamory, I think about my abuser, you know, and I don't want to feel that way. So let's take a break if that's okay. And he was fine with that. And we did. And then we got back into it once I healed a bit more. But, you know, so it depends. And uh, you can be hurt by any type of relationship, poly or monogamous, of course. So it's not always about cheating or or boundary breaking. But if you uh, equate open relationships with crossing boundaries, then um, it can take a little while to heal from that and realign your brain uh, to realize that it's not always like that. It's also a good idea to read up some of the common literature like ethical slut or listening to our podcast in whole. Yeah. (laughs) We have all of uh, 15 episodes probably by now uh, at the time of this release. I'd recommend doing a little bit of your homework, finding things that you that really resonate with you about ethical non-monogamy or that you feel like would be good responses to some of the circumstances Definitely. The research is important. You're like, I'm willing to make these these promises the way these people laid it out because this makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Doing the research is like uh, practically a kink for me. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, research, research. um, Do some reading. Check out polyamory subreddits and whatnot. Read some polyamory books and blogs. It's everywhere on the Internet, honestly. Um, So just type in polyamory in Google and you'll find some communities online, maybe even local And figuring out if you feel like you align with those people's experiences can be really helpful. Anything else that you want to end this on or anything else that you want to say? I would recommend this person to approach it slowly and compassionately with clear but not overwhelming communication with her partner because he's probably got fear and, and baggage about open relationships, it sounds like. And, and it sounds like she's at least exploring the idea in her mind, you know, so that's, that's, that's the first step. Everything starts in the mind. So, you know, just take it slow, be clear, be compassionate and recognize that it's possible that he will say, no, I want to be monogamous forever. And at that point she needs to make a decision because I hear that a lot, you know, like, but monopoly relationships, uh, relationships between monogamous and polyamorous people are totally possible. And there is literature about that on the Internet as well. But it's not always going to be compatible because sometimes people don't want their partners to date other people. <laughs> and, and sometimes people really require that as an option, at least in their life. So I would say that she should keep an open mind and, and ask him to do the same. And my closing thoughts would be, Uh, recognize that it might be that you're polyamorous, it might be that you're not, and feel comfortable with the idea that you don't know. I don't know is a valid answer, and it's a valid feeling to have. And living in that uh, in-between world 
can be scary and frustrating yes. at times. So be kind to yourself. Recognize that you may not know and that's okay. And that either through exploration with this partner or without this partner might grant you some good ideas about whether you can hack it or not. And put yourself through some of the experiences you might be exposing your partner to. You know, what will it be like for you if your partner's yeah. on a date? What will it be like for you when your partner is very excited about somebody that's not you? Those things, they, they can be very hard to handle and they can be kind of hard to deal with, especially in the beginning. Yes. But for people like me and you, it becomes almost a non-issue. Definitely. And I agree that putting yourself in the, your partner's shoes in the future is very important because... Um, a lot of people get into the idea of polyamory at first and and think only about, oh, I get to have three girlfriends and they don't think about their girlfriends having several boyfriends or whatever, you know, so mm -hmm. they, they don't think about the other side as clearly as they think about their excitement and their fantasies. So definitely consider it from both sides because a healthy polyamorous relationship, in my opinion, allows everyone the freedom to date other people and not just one person because that's more like a harem. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not like your partner will be forced to date other people, but even in mono-poly relationships, my general guide is that the monogamous partner be allowed to expand out and date other people if they want to. If they want to. Not that, not that they should feel pressured to or that right. it's right or good for them to, but allowing them that freedom, that knowledge that if they want to, they can. Mm -hmm is really validating because we carry this identity as monogamous in us for however long until we break free of it or change it willingly. And, you know, that, that, that can be hard to cast off and very easy to pigeonhole yourself as like, oh, I am monogamous. Monogamous is who I am. Sure. And then when you get into a circumstance, you realize like, oh, my partner is having a lot of fun and I have this cute person over here I want to ask you on a date, but I, I can't because I'm the monogamous one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just, just have, allowing yourself or your partner that freedom. Yeah. Freedom for good. expansion. I completely agree. And that's the thing about polyamory I like the most is that I'm not boxed in. I don't have to stick to one partner because that doesn't mean that I don't love them. You know, options, options, freedom. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hopefully that helps you out, uh, listener. Bye. Bye. <laughs>